This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and I'm joined, as always, by Nick Horwat. And let us be the last. I, I saw this by Chris Berman when watching NFL Primetime earlier this morning. Let us be one of the last to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. We hope everybody had a good weekend. And be the among the first to wish a happy Hanukkah and a happy and merry Christmas season. As we are now, in the last couple of days... Of November here, and the Pittsburgh Penguins, well, they lost their win streak over the weekend. They did. They're no longer on a win streak, but they're still playing great hockey. Horwat, how happy are you that they've turned the corner and we don't have to be miserable like we were the first couple of weeks of this month of November? It's a ton of fun watching this team again. Let's start there. Even in the game they lost, it was still a fun game to watch. They were in it until basically the bitter end. And... I just only have good things to say about this team. Yeah, you want to win by more than one goal in, on the island. Yeah, you want to beat a bad team in Montreal who's going through some shit. But regardless, I think the fact that the team is playing well, they're still trying to get their feet wet kind of with this full lineup. Um, and losing Brian Rust all of a sudden. Uh, things are looking up. Things are looking good. It's You're not going to win them all. You're not. And... Also, come hell or high water, I'm still here. I'm on my phone today. Um, <laughs> as I'm ready, as I'm, I may as well just get off on this before we get into the games. Before I'm ready to set up and trying to write a story this morning, my laptop's not turning on. Mm-hmm. So I'm here with with it leaned up against my thing. I have to take this old horse of a laptop in to the Genius Bar after work today and figure things out. Yeah, I've had this laptop since 2015. <clears throat> Yeah. It is a, uh, she's been work. She's been a workhorse for me. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm due for a new one. We'll figure something out. But yeah, the, the Penguins looking good. This is a ton of fun to watch mm-hmm. hockey again. Yeah. So obviously everybody's is not too pleased with the fact that they have to go back to work after a nice long weekend for the holiday weekend. But we have a full slate of Penguins talk to help you get through that day. That Monday morning grind. We are talking, obviously, about the Penguins' previous couple of games. That's where we're going to start. We're going to preview their five-game road trip that starts tonight against the Calgary Flames. Make sure you have your coffee ready. Late-night hockey is back for the Penguins. We're going to talk about the Penguins' backup goalie issue because Casey DeSmith has had a rough start to the season. So we'll discuss that. We'll discuss the fact that the Penguins have sold, pending NHL approval, they have sold to the Fenway Sports Group. We'll discuss that in the second segment. And then we'll finish it off with the fun pens poll. So a full rundown here of Penguins talk on your Monday morning to close out what has been the best month. And I know Horwat, I haven't told you this, what has been the best month numbers wise in the tip of the iceberg history. So thank you to everybody that has tuned in this month. Let's finish it off on a good note. We're talking the Penguins previous games to start things off. Obviously Friday night, huge win against the New York Islanders. That's a revenge game. For the Penguins as a whole, after being knocked out by them in the postseason last year, that's a huge revenge game for Tristan Jari, who picks up his third shutout in basically one week that has kind of catapulted his numbers up to the top of the leaderboard in the NHL. But a 1-0 win against the Islanders, of course. The New York Islanders have had a rough go of things right now. Eight straight losses, 
four straight at their brand new UBS arena, and now they have a COVID shutdown to deal with as well. They're struggling. And the Penguins, when you go in there against a struggling Islanders team, you know what you say? Let's get the two points and get the hell out. And that's exactly what they did. It wasn't pretty, a one to nothing win, but it was nice to see guys like Kasperi Kapanen getting up on the first line due to Brian Rust's injury. Nice to see him snipe past Ilya Sorokin, get a nice goal. And it's nice to see Tristan Jari continue to stay hot. Yeah, and against Ilya Sorokin, who was playing a very, a very good game. I mean, mm-hmm. when you score only one goal, your first thought is not, hey, we won that game. It's, oh, we scored one goal. How did we fall apart? For what it's worth, the Penguins winning a one nothing victory. Those are the kind of wins you need to win. You need to take, especially against a Barry Trotz-led Islanders team, despite them missing big names on defense, including Chara and mm-hmm. both Pelic and Pollock, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that getting a gritty one nothing victory like that is huge because again, that's more proof that you can trust in Tristan Jari as your backstop. You can trust in your defense to make the right plays mm-hmm. you want to score more than one goal sure it's not a perfect game by any stretch of the means but um, pulling out a victory in your first time on long island since taking the l in the playoffs it's more of a not so much a revenge game but it it's a feel good hey we got in there we got two points and we got out um and it's not like it was a blowout granted you know blowouts or whenever the identity line likes to get a little chippy now they still did but things could have been a hell of a lot worse had we been up for nothing, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I don't know why you would continue calling that the identity line when your identity is eight straight losses. Yeah, because, you know, win or lose, that is the identity of the New York Islanders. That's what they're going to play, I guess. I don't know. I don't name these lines, Horwat. I just make fun of them. Bill called that, though. I mean, I had to, I watched the game on mute. I'm sure Pierre, I mean, I didn't see the game. I, I missed most of the game. Uh, I found a stream for it. So. Yeah, I was actually at work. The only thing is there was one TV on at the bar in the very back that I kept looking over and checking the score and kind of seeing the game. Okay. So I kept seeing that it was still one to nothing for the most part. Uh, I did watch the highlights. That was about it. Um, unfortunately, didn't have the time to look at watch the entire game. But from what I saw, the Penguins, they played a pretty good game. They, they played a Pittsburgh Penguins-type game. They continued to play the way that they kind of set the standard in those previous four games and continued playing it against the Islanders on Friday. Goal scoring wasn't quite there because Sorokin was able to shut them down from what I saw. But at the same time, the Penguins, like you said, you got to be able to pull out gutsy wins like that, and you got to get saves when you need it like that. And Tristan Jari provided that on Friday night, which is obviously great to see, and we'll talk about him a little bit later and a lot on Thursday. I already have a, a segment plan that we'll discuss Tristan Jari on Thursday for Thursday's episode. But the biggest news over the weekend before we get into the Montreal game, the biggest news was Brian Rust being injured and placed on injured reserve. It's retroactive to November 26th. And the quintessential roster move with that, Drew O'Connor called back up to the NHL roster. Now, Horwath, the big question that that leaves for me is, who should be on that top line while Rust is out? Obviously, Gensel is leading the team in both goals and also in points. Crosby starting to get right. We'll talk about that with the Montreal game. But who should be on the right side there while Rust is out? So I don't know if you've been on the train. I don't know if I've been on the train. But I think we are both officially—I'm would. I, I'm speaking for you for a moment. I think we're both officially on the Evan Rodriguez train. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, one, yeah. I— I, I I don't remember the exact words I've said over this podcast discussing Evan Rodriguez this year, but I think in the back of my mind it was always, this can't last forever. 
<laughs> the downfall is coming, which is still true. That this cannot last forever. But while it's lasting, why not utilize it to the best of our ability and um, give him the most opportunities to score goals and be in the Penguins scoring race? Trust me, no one in the Penguins is going to touch the league scoring race this year, so let's just no. kind of get the personal victories. No one outside of the Edmonton Oilers are going to touch the NHL scoring race. Yeah, it's uh, that one's... It, let's just every team's fighting for themselves when it comes to scoring races. So, mm-hmm. and that's fine though. But the fact that Evan Rodriguez of all people is the one that we're still discussing at the beginning of the season, it was everyone's hurt. Our leaders are Heinen, O'Connor, and Rodriguez. That's going to happen whenever everyone's hurt. Gensel missed a game and is not performing to the top of his ability, and Kapanen is just slumping. Now, everyone's back. You know, Drew O'Connor got sent to the minors despite having to come back now. Dan Heinen's still scoring quiet goals which is nice to see mm-hmm. getting that depth the, the depth production that we won cups on but evan rodriguez just isn't going away Mm-mm. and he doesn't seem to be anytime soon so i think sticking yield number nine up there might be the best option for the moment like i said until the eventual decline does happen because i just don't think this can last forever but while he is hot strike mm-hmm. strike while that iron is hot yeah, no, the big issue with Evan Rodriguez, and a lot of people kind of likened him at the beginning of his tenure in Pittsburgh to Dom Simone, is, yeah, you know, he does a lot of the right things. He plays a way that is very much a way that Sidney Crosby wingers play. The only problem with him was, same with Dom Simone, he can't really finish. He has a good shot, but he never really hits the mark. His numbers aren't really great. He doesn't convert very much. He has a low shooting percentage. Well, this year, it's kind of the, the inverse. I mean, the guy has really found his shot, has been able to get the accuracy on it. And and you saw that on Saturday with the power play goal that he scored when Crosby just poked it out to Rodriguez. He took it and fired an absolute howitzer past Jake Allen, one of the few that we got past Jake Allen. And, you know, Rodriguez is tied for the team lead with eight goals on the season. I mean, if you would have said Evan Rodriguez is on pace to have a 20-goal year, I don't think any... Honestly, I think right now he's on pace to have... Let's see, we're a quarter of the way through the season... Yeah, he's on pace to have a 30-goal year. Uh, I, I, do I think he's going to? No, I don't. I mean, I'm, I might be pessimistic in that light, but the fact is Evan Rodriguez has been good for the Pittsburgh Penguins this year. Do I think he should be the guy that's on the top line? Yeah, I think that's where we should start. Uh, I like possibly letting Heinen play up there a little bit, but not over a guy that's as hot as Evan Rodriguez is. I also like the idea of Kasperi Kapanen up there, but when you have Evgeny Malkin two, maybe three weeks. I mean, he's not with the team on this road trip. So that's the next two weeks. We know for sure he's not going to join the team in practice. But maybe three, four weeks away from coming back, I would keep Kasperi Kapanen with Jeff Carter. That way, you know, you don't want to mess too many things up. You don't want Kapanen to go out there and get great rapport with Crosby and then have Malkin come back and stick him with them. And then he has to do the whole process over again, especially when Rust comes back. But I don't know. That might just be me overthinking things and trying to galaxy brain it, but Kasperi Kapanen and Evan Rodriguez, I think, are the two options there, but with Rodriguez as hot as he is, I think it's hard to keep him away from the Crosby line, especially the way he's shooting the puck. It's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, he was the force that got us going in the Montreal game. He was... Mm -hmm. He's just been everywhere. I mean, when he's not scoring, you don't notice him, but that's just the way he plays. Like, you didn't really notice him during the Islanders game. But then, 
going into the home game against Montreal, he has 12 shots, 12 of the 50 shots. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't exactly hear on the broadcast if that was close or it was tying the franchise record for shots in the game. I think it's like second. Yeah. Because uh, I think I did see a tweet that 14 is the record by Stackhouse of all people. But still, the fact that a guy like Evan Rodriguez is the one collecting 12 of your shots. Granted, again, you put up 50. Yeah. Jake Allen just stood on his skull. Um, it's He's noticeable. He's taking advantage of his opportunities, and he's putting up – he's producing. to Like, if you would have – I don't even know how to put it because last year we were just mocking, why is he on the first line of Crosby yeah. and Gensel? We really were. And then he would score in our faces a couple times and be like, oh, okay, we still don't want you there. This year, we mock it, not as much, but we figure, hey, they did it last year. It's just what they're going to do again because sometimes Mike Sullivan and the Penguins can be a little stubborn. You know, see, uh, dumps them up. We're a little stubborn sometimes. Mm-hmm. This situation, though, the stubbornness is working out. Don't know how, why or how, but maybe he's getting lucky. Who cares? We ride the luck. Yeah. Keep, you know, keep carrying the horseshoe. Yeah, you got to ride the wave regardless. They were riding a wave heading into their home game against Montreal on Saturday, but were stopped by the fighting Jake Allens, basically. Uh, the Penguins lose by a score of 6-3, to three, but realistically, the game was ended at 4-2 to two late in the third period, and then, of course, a couple empty net goals. They scored three on the game, did the Canadiens. Casey DeSmith was in there, one of his first starts in probably several weeks, as it seems like Tristan Jari is just owned the crease for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but Casey DeSmith gets in there, gives up three goals on 31 shots. He's still uh, winless on the season, 0-3-1 to start. We'll talk about him in the next segment. But the Penguins dominated this game. I told you that I watched this game the next day, and from start to finish, the Pittsburgh Penguins were all over the now GM-less Montreal Canadiens as Mark Bergevin was fired on Sunday afternoon. But the Penguins, literally, Jake Allen won this game. Not even the Canadiens. I mean... A couple of goals by the Habs, but realistically, that's more on you need a save by Casey to Smith when your team is dominating the way that they are. But, I mean, Cindy Crosby gets a three-point night. Evan Rodriguez, as we already mentioned, had a beautiful goal. Jeff Carter gets on the score sheet. This team just, they fell behind, and Jake Allen was able to keep them there. That was basically the story of this game. I think, and to think of the way the Canadians' first goal happened, it's late in the second, mm-hmm. and for pretty much the whole three to five minutes beforehand, the Penguins are dominating. So much zone time, so much getting the puck around to the right players and not losing possession. And then just one, this is just the way it always goes in Penguins, momentum shifts. Mm-hmm. One pass that gets over Latang's stick, breakaway for Drewan, and yeah, just, just not stopping it because it's not Tristan Jari. And let's be real, Jonathan Drewan is still a very good player. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't want to... That goal specifically, I didn't want to pin the blame directly on DeSmith immediately. Yeah. I mean, sure, a pass is going to fly over your stick sometimes. But I also didn't want to blame Latang because, like I said, some, sometimes this pass just goes errant. It happens. Mm-hmm. I, it's just an unfortunate event that you can't pin blame anywhere. But sometimes you just need that save, especially whenever the momentum is in your favor at 20 more seconds in the zone. I guarantee the Penguins are scoring. That's how much momentum they had there. Yeah. And that's exactly what I mean about you need a timely save. I understand it's a breakaway. I understand that it's Jonathan Drouin. He's a very talented NHL player, but if you make that save, 
you continue to keep the momentum. In fact, you build on that momentum, and that game ends entirely differently. But you didn't get the save. You go down, and it ends up kind of costing the team, as it happens a couple times in the third period after the Penguins tie it up. They go down 3-1, to one, and then it's a game of back and forth between the Penguins trying to catch up and an empty net goal. And that's always difficult when you're down multiple goals. Especially, I mean, you saw Latang stop an empty net shot, and then there was just somebody else right there. It's very difficult once you empty that net to be able to catch up from a multiple goal deficit. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to stop the puck whenever you're not in goalie pads. Also, that's true. It's it's hard. Like you can't pin. We can't blame anyone if if an empty net goal gets scored against unless it's blatant, really. Mm -hmm. Because again, there's just not a goalie there. Yeah, Crosby did what he could trying to tie up Anderson. Just you know, things happen. There's no goalie there. Yeah. Um. I just it, it, but it was interesting and fun watching us battle back. Mm -hmm. I don't think Kapanen meant to bat that puck back to Carter at one bit, but it worked, and we got a goal there, and we kept the momentum shifting toward us because I was able to watch this one too. It was at our buddy Matt's house, and when we when Jeff Carter scored that goal, the Canadians immediately took a timeout. Why? Like you're still ahead in the game. Bob Airy and um, um, Mirzi said that because they're a nervous team. The Canadians. Yeah. Like, how are you ahead in the game and still nervous? That's just how much in shambles this team is right now. Because I heard that and thought, well, how are you nervous? Jake Allen is standing on his head. You're ahead in the game still. Mm -hmm. It's not like you tied it. It's not like we just had some big, long comeback. Mm -hmm. We were down by one. <laughs> or... We were down by two, and we came within one. Mm -hmm. I just... I was about I, to say, that is the sign of a team that is not confident in their abilities. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of time left. And sure, maybe you want to take a timeout, but again, you were ahead in the game. They're, we're going to be pulling the goalie again. The most you have to tell the guys, you don't have to call a timeout for this. Just, <laughs> just say, hey, possess the puck for a moment, get an empty netter, and we're back in this. We're back ahead mm -hmm. by with breathing room. But they had to take a full timeout, and it was just an interesting, very wild ending to the game. Granted, they mm -hmm. did go down and score multiple more empty net goals, but still, just that's a nervous team that mm -hmm. you want to beat. But I think the fact that we were able to stay in it, you put any other goalie in that game other than Jake Allen, blowout victory again. Yeah. Uh, so the Penguins lose their five-game winning streak that began and ended with the Montreal Canadiens. Obviously, it started with a 6 nothing drubbing of Montreal in Montreal and then ends with this 6-3 to loss on Saturday night. And, you know, every win streak comes to an end. I would have, I'm actually happy that it came to an end this way. You knew it was going to come to an end at some point. You don't want to lose to the Montreal Canadiens at home. Let me, let me not get that mixed up right here. But in the way that you lost, you were able to score goals, albeit... Jake Allen kind of stood on his head. You had your backup goalie in net, and this is the game prior to a five-game road trip where you're still playing great hockey. You still have somehow gained probably confidence after a loss, and now you go into a five-game road trip against, honestly, three of the five games are going to be very, very difficult. Two of them, possibly not. Uh, but I don't want to. I don't want to rule out the Kraken just because you know you never know. First time ever playing a team in franchise history. We'll see how that goes. But what I like is I would have much rather ended the lose the winning streak in the last home game before a road trip than the first game of a road trip because then that sets a tone. Tonight they get the opportunity to set a tone against the, the Calgary Flames. 
Got a little bit of revenge from a four to nothing loss on home ice a couple uh, about a month and a half ago at this point. But that's going to be one of the toughest games of this five game road trip. It's going to be a two week road trip, four games on the West Coast, so all late games, and then we're going to finish it off on December tenth back on the East Coast at the Washington Capitals. I think the the bookends of this road trip are going to be the most difficult. At the Flames, who are a team that has been one of the best in the Western Conference. And then at the Capitals, where the last time you were there, only a couple weeks ago, you lost by a score of, what was it, 6 or 7-1? to one. I don't know. I left the game early. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you left? Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah, DC traffic and getting killed by that much. And the fact that I worked that day and Kayla worked the next day, I was, I was not sitting there to watch the end of that. Alcohol sales after the second period like the Penguins do, too? Yes. Ah, yeah, no. You're, you're out of there. Um, especially because it was a free ticket, was it not? No, it was not. It was not a free ticket. Oh, I thought you were given the ticket. I don't know why I thought that. Uh, no. Um, well, anyway, yeah. Got discounted tickets, but the not, ah, not free. Okay, so yeah, you saw, you saw your discounted rate and said that's enough. Yeah. Because the Pens played discounted that day, too. Yeah, um, very much so. Yeah. It's going to be a hard road trip. I mean, you mentioned Calgary. Just getting a goal is already a boost from what happened last time. Yes. <laughs> and then... We go into Edmonton, where the talk of the town is always Connor McDavid. But oh wait, he he being at two points per game is not even the best on their team right now. Yeah, Leon Drysdale is getting very much overlooked, and he's on pace for God knows how many points. Mm-hmm. He's at over two. He's at over a goal and assist per game right now. Last I looked, he was at twenty goals and twenty assists for forty points in nineteen games. Yeah. How are we not talking about him more than McDavid? But mm-hmm. that's going to be difficult. But again, I keep looking at that team and going, how the hell is Koskinen the one doing this? And then you look at his underlying numbers, you go, oh, it's all offense on that team. Got it. Basically, yeah. It's all offense. And also, Stuart Skinner's been okay when he's got in. Yeah. But I mean, because Koskinen's numbers aren't phenomenal. I mean, he's no. Last I looked again, he had a 908 save percentage, which. It's not bad. Not, that's mid. That's a little above average. Yeah, but they're winning at a far above average pace. So yeah, it's all offense on that team. And then um, we go into Vancouver, who again another team in shambles. Yeah. Um. So we that one that's gonna be a big game to watch because it, that's a disappointing L if we take an L there. Mm-hmm. Just tell it like it is. And Seattle is just not doing well. I yeah, I mean they're. They're what a expansion team is expected to be right now. Yeah. Vegas screwed them, man. Yeah. They really did. Um, and that's just the West Coast. We can discuss Washington next week when we get there. Yeah. But for those Canadian games, those are the Canadian and, you know, Western American game. That's that's going to be – those going to be battles that every game is going to be important. Every game is going to mean something to the fan base of what this team can be. Mm-hmm. Because we want to beat the good teams. Because let's just tell it like it is on our five-game win streak. How many good teams did we beat there? Like, actually good teams. Winnipeg. Toronto. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, we beat a Montreal team in shambles. We beat a Vancouver Canucks team in shambles. And we beat an Islanders team who's being awful right now. And yeah. hurt to hell and back. You know, it's... We want to start beating the good teams because we've also been losing to bad teams in Ottawa and Buffalo. So we got to perform against these teams like Calgary, Edmonton, and, 
you know, we haven't seen Seattle yet. We don't know what they can do. Maybe they have our number. We just don't know it. Yeah. We go out there and Jeremy Cannon scores a hat trick. It's game over for this fan base. <laughs> Hope everybody realizes that. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to, going to have to turn off the, uh, the old Twitter verse there. We'll Definitely don't want to look at If either of them score against us, just delete the app. Yeah, honestly. But no, it should be a, a fun five game road trip. Two weeks on the road. Get your coffee ready because it's going to be a lot of late night hockey starting, of course, again tonight at the Calgary Flames and the red hot Jacob Markstrom in net. A battle of what's going to be, you know, right now, two of the top goalies in the NHL. And I know people don't realize it, but Tristan Jari is one of the top five goaltenders in the National Hockey League this season, especially after this late run. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, let's talk about the other goaltender. And that is Casey DeSmith in the Penguins' backup goalie situation. We'll be right back. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on all the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets if they score. If they score, you score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. The Pittsburgh Penguins obviously just ended a five-game winning streak with a loss to the Montreal Canadiens, and that loss came at the hands of their backup goaltender, Casey DeSmith. Now, DeSmith has gone winless in a lot of his last 10 games. I believe it's been like eight or nine games dating back to last season, but if you look specifically at this year, he has been pretty putrid. He's been bad. 0-3-1 record, a 4.32 goals allowed average, and an 867 save percentage. Now, that is not the normal for Casey DeSmith. And if you look at his career numbers, a 2.72 goals allowed average, that's really good. A 913 save percentage, that's really good, especially for a backup. But this season specifically, he's just not been able to get the job done. And it, it looks like almost every time he's in there, which has not been much, I mean, four games out of 21 is a very low portion. But when he's out there, he just doesn't look comfortable. And he gives up some goals that it's just like, yeah, oh, right there, you needed a save. We talked about it in the first segment. And that goal with Jonathan Drouin on Saturday, it's like, listen, we controlled five minutes of play. I understand it's a breakaway, but dude, you got to make the save there. So that, that's been what we've seen from DeSmith. I mean, how serious is this situation? Do you think that DeSmith should be looking over his shoulder to see who's coming up behind him? Or do you think it's just a matter of, listen, the guy hasn't played very much hockey? Well, coming up behind him is a very finely dressed Louis Devane. Let's just tell it like it is. We don't need to make a trade or anything of that nature to fix this problem right away. Now, Louis Devane might not be what he was in Tampa Bay, 
Mm-hmm. But at this point, I'm willing to give DeSmith one more chance because he's only played four games. That's completely fair. Um, but the fact that he has yet to pick up a quality start, I don't know where Hockey Reference gets that quality start stat from, but I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that he's yet to pick up a quality start, um, that's not good. Because even Loss, even Matt Murray picked up a couple of quality starts in his O for uh, year before being sent to Belleville. Mm-hmm. So that's really saying something. DeSmith is not, I just, I don't want to say he's not the answer for backup right now because we're paying him a ton of money and he's been here for a while. And I guess he's kind of a veteran who's seen it all, right? Who's bouncing between the ECHL and the AHL and then making it to the league and then being sent back to the NHL for a year because we had Murray and Jari going. Mm-hmm. It's, he's been here for us, but at the same time, the backup goaltending position is, it's one you filter in and out pretty quickly. Yeah. And I think he's just run stale here. It, it happens. Ooh. I think it's, I'm not going to say it's quite yet time to move on. Like I said, I'm willing to give him one more chance. But when it comes to him looking over his shoulder, yeah, we have an answer in-house. Louis Domingue is most likely still an NHL-capable backup. Mm-hmm. Again, if he's playing four games through 20, I'd put Domingue in there, give him his shot. It's something new. It's something different. And if backup goalies in this town have taught us anything, the weirdest oddball names can come out of nowhere and really be something for you. Mm-hmm. I think we saw Thomas we saw Thomas Hoon take us multiple rounds into the playoffs. We saw Brent Johnson stay here for a long time and then end Rick DiPietro's career. <laughs> backup goalies in this town are interesting. Now, we're very used to having starters as our backup as well. Mm-hmm. If the past few years have taught us anything. But I think we give DeSmith this one more chance and then pull up someone. I don't know if, I don't know if a move needs to be made, but maybe – because that's a big contract. You don't know what to do with it exactly. Maybe you just have to ship to Smith out for some picks, which we mm-hmm. could use. Yeah, when it comes to Casey to Smith, I don't know if it's a, a thing like, oh, he needs to he needs to play more to be more effective in net. But here's the thing. When you have a guy in Tristan Jari that's playing the way he is, I'm not going to pull Tristan Jari off of a hot streak just to say, hey, we need to keep Casey to Smith a, a little bit warm here because he's our backup. That's, that's not how you operate if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, and luckily they haven't. So if Casey DeSmith is unable to come in and basically spot start once every three weeks, if he can't do that effectively, then yeah, send him down. Let him get his reps in, in Wilkes-Barre. I know that we did that a couple years ago and he didn't take it all that well. But listen, you're the backup goaltender. That's it's part of the job that you're going to be cold most of the time coming into a game. And just you have to be ready when you have that opportunity. We saw Louis Deming, as you mentioned, and that's where I would go to if I'm looking to honestly make that replacement. But right now, I think Casey DeSmith deserves... Another chance because he's been a, a dutiful backup for this team for several years now. But if he continues to play the way that he has, Louis Domingue, we saw him be able to do that spot start thing with a dominant starting goaltender in Tampa. Andre Vasilevsky plays 60 games a year. So Louis Domingue barely played at all and was able to have success down there in Tampa Bay. So he's had that experience. He's playing pretty well in the AHL right now for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. He's 3-3-2 on the year. goals allowed average and a 9.22 save percentage. If you translate those numbers, which I understand the NHL is more difficult, but if you translate those numbers to the NHL, that's a couple of wins in a backup situation. That's all you can ask for right now. And the way the Penguins are playing on Saturday, they should have won the game. All you needed was a competent goaltending performance and you didn't get that by Casey DeSmith. 
and maybe not getting goalied by Jake Allen of all people, but again, that happens. We got goalied in New York and we won. So you yeah. can get goalied and still win games. Mm-hmm. If you're a goaltender, if you're a backup goaltender, all I need you to do is keep it at three goals or lower. That's what I look for when I see a backup goaltender in net. Unless it's a 1A, 1B situation, like when it was Matt Murray and Tristan Jari, the expectations are higher. But with Casey to Smith, three goals or less. And if we don't score more than three goals, that's on the offense. Three goals or less. Now, he gave up three goals in that game, but the way that he gave up three goals was putrid. The amount that we outplayed the Montreal Canadiens and you lost that game, and the way that he, the goals that he gave up, it was not good enough. And it's just a matter of, you're at 4.32 goals allowed average. What did I say? Three goals or less. You don't get to that unless you have a couple of really bad games. He's only played in four. But, you know, I, I don't want to get too hard on him. But at the same time, listen, the Penguins, Tristan Jari, you don't want to run the table with Tristan Jari playing as much hockey as he has. He's leading the league right now in time on ice for goaltenders. You don't want to run him dry because you know what's going to happen? If if this persists, Tristan Jari is going to have a lights-out regular season and he's going to gas out by the playoffs. And and everybody in Pittsburgh is going to say, well, Tristan Jari can't perform in the playoffs. It's like, well, he, he started 68 games. Which is basically on pace for. He started he started sixty games and he played really well. Maybe he just gassed out before the playoffs, and that comes back to yeah, that's a backup goalie issue. Yeah, we've how many times has Toronto showed us that that happens? With Freddie Anderson basically his entire time there. Yeah, I only the elitist of the elite I don't know if he's elitist. Only the elite of the elite goaltending goaltending um can do that for you. Can go through sixty plus games a season mm-hmm. and then survive a playoffs. The robot that is Vasilevsky can do that. Sometimes we saw him fall apart in the playoffs before. It's not he's not perfect either. So you need a good backup goalie to step in and make sure your starter is rested and ready to go for the most important games of the season. Yeah, it's not again. Like I say, he does the backup goalie does not have to be perfect. No, but when you're paying him 1.25 million, hold on here. You got to make some stops. Your goals allowed average needs to be below four if, if that's what you're getting paid. <laughs> Save percentage above nine, all of that. Like we mentioned the, I mentioned the uh, Koskinen numbers earlier. You give me Koskinen numbers again. He's a starter over there for some reason. Every year in Edmonton, I'm sure we say that. Yeah. But he's at least getting wins, and yeah, it's a great offense in front of him. But you give me a 908, which is what I think Koskinen was hitting at last time I saw him. Give me a 908. That's fine. Give me Matt Murray's 899 even from the year he was bad here. Mm-hmm. I'll take an 899 from a backup. You're a backup. You're not supposed to be you know, winning Vesnas. It's just a matter of making the right saves when we need to. When you're spotting in, get your quality start, man. Yeah. And it sucks. Like I said, Smith's been here for a while. He's been a workhorse for us. But I don't know. It's when, you, when there's a certain goalie in net as a fan sometimes, at least for me, I have a certain confidence in the goalie. Like when you see a breakaway happening, do you tense up or do you lay back and go, our goalie has this because he's, he is so-and-so with the Smith. I tense up every damn time. I always have Mm -hmm. because he's the backup. Now I tense up a lot. Whenever Flurry was in net, when Murray was in net, Jari, I've stopped tensing for just, I tense up in the shootout, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, (laughs) I don't think I've even tensed because I'm just used to it. I'm like, all right, whatever. It's an L. We'll take it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 
it's the, a matter of how much, how, how, what kind of tension do you feel? Mm-hmm. That's another factor that I always take in with goalies because you can't just look at numbers with goalies. I mean, we do, but how many times have we mentioned it? it's voodoo? Yeah, it's voodoo, and also it's it's timeliness. Yeah, and so Smith definitely of- doesn't have the timeliness or the stats, and the voodoo clearly not in his in his favor right now. Yeah, so it's just a matter of what have you done for me lately, and mm-hmm. guess what? It is not much in Casey Smith situation. Also, you have a new mask. Use it. I want to see it. I want to see it on the ice, man. Uh, the only other goaltender in the Penguins organization that would even get a sniff at that position right now is Philip Lindbergh, the 22-year-old rookie out of UMass, and I, I think he's it's still really too early for a call-up for him. Uh, four, four and two on the season, uh, 2.76 goals allowed, averaging a 9.15 save percentage. A good start for Philip Lindbergh, but again, too early to be calling him up. Let him uh, let him marinate a little bit more in the AHL. We'll come around to him next year. Yeah. So let's talk about. Really quickly before we head to break and finish off this show with a Penn's poll, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Fenway Sports Group as the Penguins signed a purchase agreement to give the Fenway Sports Group full control, or mostly full control, of the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. Now that deal is in the hands of the NHL Board of Governors, which is all expected to be approved probably by the time this comes out, and I will be posting this in probably like 45 minutes, and it'll still probably outdate us real quickly, but... uh, Big news on that, Mario Lemieux and Ron Burkle both named as remaining owners, so they will stay involved in the ownership group. And we have a hand raised by Horwat. Yes, Mr. Horwat, I feel like a substitute teacher. I was about to say, do you want the update from an hour ago from the Penguins Twitter account? Yes, let's 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 All right, it. cool. I didn't know if you got this or not. Because as of an hour ago, the Penguins did tweet the Pittsburgh Penguins and Fenway Sports Group, a global sports marketing, media, entertainment, and real estate company. Today announced that FSG has entered into an agreement to acquire the controlling. I don't know if this means the Board of Governors. Yep. Oh, before the end of the year? Well, we have a month until that becomes fully official. But yes, all the things you were saying. I thought this was like the official announcement announcement. That's why I stopped you for a moment. That one's yeah. on me. But expected to close before the end of the year. I didn't realize it would take that long. Um, I'm sure... It's not the first thing on the minds of some of the uh, some of the owners across the league. They're probably uh, doing some other stuff. But I mean, the next tweet after that is Mario Lemieux, a story and a statement from Mario Lemieux saying, "This is an exciting day for the future of our franchise." So yeah, all all signs point to the fact that this franchise has been sold to the Fenway Sports Group. Yes, and for what it is worth, uh, Dayon. That's how you pronounce it. Uh, Dayon Kovacevic. Kovacevic. Yeah. Uh, DK. That's I why I call him DK because I always mess up the name. I should have just said DK. I uh, said it was a $900 million sale. Love yeah. that. That's a big old number. Yeah. You mean to tell me me and you couldn't come up with that chump change and buy the Penguins? I can barely afford Christmas gifts this year. <laughs> you know how much gas is right now? I can barely afford to get to the store to buy them. Yeah, sometimes I might just have to start like running into the downtown DC to, to, get, to get to work. I walked to the mall yesterday. I mean, yeah, it's right there, but still. Anyway. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the Penguins and the Fenway Sports Group, they signed the purchase agreement. They've come to an agreement. We're just waiting on the NHL Board of Governors, which could be, well, now from what it seems, it could be any time in the next week or two or four. But uh, it is imminent is, is, the, is the point we're trying to make. It is imminent. The, the sale has gone through for the most part, and Mario Lemieux and Ron Burke will remain as part of the Penguins ownership group. And the Burkle part's a surprise one because when the original reports came out, it was maybe he was leaving. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but Lemieux was sticking around, and the rest of like upper management was sticking around as well. Um, and of course, we're still waiting on full details, I guess, from Board of Governors stuff. But as of now, it looks like we're just adding in Fenway. Everyone else is staying, which is a little weird. I guess Burkle just didn't want to lose his investment. Uh, I'm sure they probably turned and asked him. They're like, hey, listen, you, you, you want to keep a minority share. Uh, you'll make some money, but you don't have to worry about the day-to-day because Fenway Sports Group is absolutely massive, and they have somebody to handle that. Which I'm not sure how much day-to-day there is as an owner because I've never been in that position. It'd be nice to interview one of the owners, get that opinion. Maybe in a couple of years, whenever we have a little bit more clout, we'll try to get that. But uh, but no, uh, I'm sure they're like, you know what, stick around, keep a minority share, like a very low minority share, make some money, and also take your cut of this $900 million and be happy. And of course... I mean, like like we mentioned, we don't know exactly what the day to day was for either of the two, Mario or Burkle. But we're it's safe assumption from our end, at least. You know, I'm speaking it into a microphone or just a phone today. Um, that Lemieux was around for hockey op stuff mm-hmm. uh, because he is the player. He's the one that has gone through it. He went through when he first bought the team. He went through the hell of a lot of things. Yeah. Um, so he's a, aware of the situation here. He's aware of how league stuff works um, it's a safe assumption that he's that he was always around hockey ops situations and still will be that's the big part here mm-hmm. is that he will still be around for hockey ops yeah um, organizational stuff but a matter of who steps in with Fenway I don't know exactly what they'll do because again we don't know the business side of things yeah um, but it is more money coming in it is a and if we look back at the Fenway sports group uh, tenure of, since 2001, they got rid of the curse of Bambino in Boston. <laughs> uh, they've won three other World Series since then. Uh, Liverpool is one of the biggest names in soccer, so that's pretty big. I know they just recently won their first Premier League Premier League championship. Yes, thank you. In a long time, I think it's been mm-hmm. a while for them. Not saying they were a bad organization or anything, and that it's Benway that pulled them out, but under their ownership, they've had some victories. Mm-hmm. And they also have a NASCAR team. We talked about LeBron James being involved in it. Yeah. And as long as Jack Edwards doesn't start announcing Penn's games, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, I, I highly doubt that that's going to actually happen because mainly because Fenway Sports Group doesn't have any portion of AT&T Sportsnet. So um, we're going to take a quick break. I mean, all that basically is to say is it's stability for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And that's what Mario Mew wanted. I mean, if you look at his plan whenever he bought the Penguins, it was make sure the Penguins stay in Pittsburgh create stability for years to come. Well, the new arena was a massive chapter in this, and now this is an even bigger one because this is stability for, for decades, not just years. Yeah, the for what it is worth, because everyone always wonders, does this mean the team's going to relocate? No. Okay, let's start with under, I believe it is the CBA, new owners cannot move the team within seven years. Mm-hmm. And the Penguins and the arena are locked into a lease until 2036. Yeah. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The team will be here for a little while. Yeah, it'll be here forever. We sure hope so. As forever as sports teams go. I mean, I start to think of it, and I'm like, ah, oh, 100 years in the road, are we still going to have, like, every single team in the internet? That's just some weird crap that I think of at 3 in the morning when I'm working on other stuff. Future stuff where you're like, what if one day the Yankees did move? Because there are certain teams Ugh. where you're like, yeah, they're stuck there. Yeah, I mean, the Yankees have been around for 100 years. Yeah, the Yankees are one. Most football teams, well, maybe not most football teams. That's a money hungry organization. The the Steelers have been around since 1933. So, 
it, 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 they're long-term things, especially established franchises with championships like the Penguins and the Steelers. Uh, Pirates, yeah. You want to know who else is an established franchise that won't be going anywhere? The Boston Red Sox. Hey, you know who owns the Boston Red Sox? Fenway Sports Group. You're welcome, ladies and gentlemen. The Penguins are here to stay. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, a fun little conversation from our Pens poll this past week. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Every time on the video version that we play the the DraftKings YouTube-friendly clip that we were given by the Hockey Podcast Network, which is who we're brought to you by, by the way, welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Every time we play that clip, and I'm not sure it really goes anywhere, um, I, we use it on our YouTube videos, so check it out on our YouTube page, Tip of the Iceberg Podcast. But I just think of college. You know, think of us all huddled into the one room watching uh, Shane O'Mac return at WrestleMania, getting tossed off the top of the cage by Undertaker. I haven't watched wrestling in a very long time at this point. But that that clip right there with the uh, little remixed Shane O'Mac intro, it just always takes me back to Point Park days. I can I can remember before WrestleMania when it was just me, you, and your roommate uh, Nick Ballard sitting around. Yeah, three Nicks in one room, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Um, sitting around just watching a random Monday Night Raw whenever that that song hit, and it was like his first time back in a long time. We all were jaw dropped. Yeah, because I mean that was the like me and you were just getting back into it, but Ballard Ballard was a. Uh, he was a, a heartthrob for, for the WWE. So uh, we were at least, we, we realized it because we saw him as kids. But he was like, oh my goodness, we've been through so much. But no, it was, uh, yeah, eating those uh, Point Cafe chicken quesadillas that cost way too much. Those wraps, though, were fire. They were, but. Uh, <laughs> uh, and also, I haven't watched wrestling since Kofi won, won the belt. Does he still have, oh, Big E does now. I at least kind of keep up. Oh, I, I don't know. I know Roman Reigns has a belt and he's a bad guy now. That's all I know about the Finally. wrestling. No, yeah. I know Big E's got a belt, and at least he did. And he's been doing fun things. I know CM Punk's at AEW. I've played more attention to what AEW is doing than I do with WWE. That's the other thing I know. The AEW's ripping it apart, so. Yeah. So, um, let's finish off this segment with, or this segment, this episode, with our weekly Pens poll. A fun little Pens poll this week, kind of getting away from the current hustle and bustle of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And talk about some former Penguins. Our question was, which former Penguin do you miss the most? You can answer this in two ways. Miss the most as in just miss seeing on the ice, miss his personality, or miss the most as in the Penguins need their services. Uh, The winner of this poll was Patrick Hornquist with 37% of the vote. Second place was Phil Kessel. He had 30% of the vote. Brandon Tanev came in third place with 20% of the vote. And Jared McCann finished in dead last with 13% of the vote. Horwat. Which former Penguin did you miss the most? Which one did you vote for in this poll? Uh, I missed the options again. I was reading more updates on Fenway. It was Hornquist, I heard. Hornquist, Kessel, Tanev, McCann. Ooh. Ooh. I don't remember who I answered now. I may have said Kessel Mm -hmm. because our power play needs so much help right now. And I think he was a big reason why it popped off for a couple of years there. So I'm going to go with Kessel because... First of all, that's just a media darling, is it not? Social media darling. Let me correct that. Yeah. that's That was the one person everyone on social media could get behind, no matter what. It mm-hmm. didn't matter. Yeah. Good or bad, all of social media loved him. 
I think we should have kept Ryan Reeves around a little longer because that friendship was beautiful. Yeah. Um, despite what we gave up for him. Who cares? Yeah. That, that's all in the past now. Rutherford's gone. He's gone. That first round draft pick. It's in the past. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, not really. Clem Clauston's playing for the Blues right now, but yeah. I don't know who that is, so you know. <laughs> it's their friendship was beautiful. Phil Castle was just an absolute beauty to have out there. And something I don't know. Watching him and Malkin argue, like, yeah, you don't like seeing infighting with your teammates, but like it showed something. If those two cared about the game, they both wanted to win just in their own way. Mm-hmm. Give me Phil Kessel every day of the week. Um, is he going to be on the Olympic team this year? With Mike Sullivan as coach. Ooh. Oh, mm. <laughs> I don't know. We are getting close to that point where if the NHL does go to the Olympics, because, because uh, you know, the Senators had a shutdown, and, and I believe it was five games were postponed, and now the Islanders have only two games postponed, but... That, also all these social issues with China. Oh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's not yeah. even so much COVID as it is the social issues because I think Trudeau and Biden um, mentioned a possible boycott of their athletes. So, yeah, we don't know. But, yeah. You know. Either way, we're getting close to, if it happens, we're getting close to roster time. So, I mean, that'll be a conversation to have in a couple weeks. Um, I voted for Brandon Tanev in this one. Uh, I said there's two ways to answer this question. Which way the Penguins need it most when it comes to talent and ability, and which way that you miss it the most. And you know what? I loved Phil Kessel. I loved Patrick Hornquist, uh until almost the bitter end. Um, towards the end, I wanted him traded, and he did get traded. But uh, no, I, I, I like Brandon Tanev. And uh, just you see what he is now in Seattle. He's a cult hero. Um, he sees ghosts. He plays a style of hockey that I don't think anybody dislikes to see. I think everybody loved watching Brandon Tanev play hockey. And realistically, it felt like uh, his time here was cut short. Now, he signed to that big contract. People were like, why did we sign him to that big contract? And now everybody's missing him. So uh, it, it takes a lot to sway the opinion of an entire fan base. And he did that in just two short years. But, uh, you know, I uh, I do miss Brandon Tanev. I see him in, the, in a cracking uniform. And I think maybe one day, once I have money, I'll buy a Kraken Tanev jersey, but uh, he didn't bring much in in terms of goals or points, but uh, the intangibles, the way that he played on that line with Zach Aston Reese and Teddy Bluger, and not that we don't like Brock McGinn, because I like Brock McGinn a lot, yeah, but um, definitely, uh, definitely of these four, the ones that, the one that I just voted for in this one, I, I threw Jared McCann in at the end, and I was like, I don't expect Jared McCann, like, I, that is exactly what I expected Jared McCann to have, 13% of the vote. He'll that redo this vote after the Kraken game whenever Jeremy McCann does have a hat trick against us. And no, I don't know though. Like Hornquist and Kessel won Stanley Cups. Yeah, no, and I can't confirm. I finally pulled it up. I can't confirm. I did vote for Kessel, so all my reasoning is still accurate. The Hornquist one winning makes also a ton of sense just because it was Patrick Hornquist because of who he was. Yeah, that's true. Not even goal scorer Patrick Hornquist or point uh, acquire. I don't know the right word. Collector. It didn't matter. He played the hard-nosed style that everyone loved. He was the fun guy in the locker room, and he was just a nice guy, period, off the ice. And it's he's the guy you miss for sure, but I just – the Kessel stories were awesome. Um, yeah. When it comes to Tandem, he became the cult hero. You're right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, McCann makes a lot of sense too, I think, just because of how he left. It wasn't so much um, like we had to get rid of him, but it was, why are we getting rid of him? Maybe his yeah. tenure could have lasted longer. 
but new management, you know, they want to make the changes. Mm-hmm. And that was one that, you know, need, probably not needed, but was expected because that was a weird trade to begin with. The Who did we trade? Because it was Bukestad collected with them. What would you say? We traded uh, Jared McCann to the Maple Leafs. Oh, when we got him? Yeah, no, we traded uh, for Bukestad and McCann at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, who'd we get rid of for them? I forget now. I don't remember. I don't remember. I, well, I don't. Anyway. Yeah. I don't remember quite enjoying the trade to start with, but um, so it goes, I guess. But, you know, everyone, every one of these options made sense. Uh, Hornquist I get, Tanev I also get, but hey, Phil, man, did we trade Horn? Uh, I'm looking that up right now, um, trying to pull up the, the trade. Uh, not getting anything, really. It was a couple seasons ago, um, but everything that's coming up for me right now is Bugstad to the pe- to the wild from the Penguins. Oh, yeah, so we, we, we traded a, a bag of pucks, basically, for, for two guys. Got an injury-prone center and uh, Jared McCann. That was actually very good. It was Derek Broussard, Riley Shane, and... Three picks, ladies and gentlemen. A second, a fourth, second and two fourths. Yeah. If that doesn't show you uh, what what Jim Rutherford thought about draft picks, I don't know what will. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. Like I said at the top of the show, this has been our best month ever here at the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. So thank you to everybody that has tuned in, that has downloaded these podcasts, that has subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts. And everybody that has rated us on Apple Podcast as well. If you haven't already, go on and do that. Let us know what you think about it. Leave a review. We'll take a look at it. And we'll, you know, if, if you have suggestions, we're always willing to take them. But that's it for this episode. We'll see you guys on Thursday and talk about two of the five games here on this Western Conference road trip. Get your coffee ready, everybody. Let's go, Pens. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.